The gospel for the first Sunday of Lent is always the temptations of Jesus in the desert. And the gospel for the second Sunday of Lent is always the transfiguration of Jesus on Mount Tabor. And then after that, every year, the following Sundays, the gospels change. So why does the church anchor us at the beginning of Lent, first with the temptations and then with the transfiguration? Well, we can start by thinking about why did Jesus transfigure himself before Peter, James, and John on Mount Tabor, this being just a few weeks before his crucifixion? One of the big reasons is Jesus gives these three apostles an insight into his glory, into his resurrection, prior to that event, so that they can face the temptations that are about to come to them when they face his passion and his death. Right? Because Christ's suffering and his death looks like defeat and it looks like scandal. And the temptation is going to be to, be, to feel despair and to feel defeat and to run away. So we know the end of the story so that we know that Jesus is 33% successful on Mount Tabor with the transfiguration. Two out of the three run, one stays. But he gives them this grace to be able to face the temptations, which is kind of how I ended my homily last week, that we are not intended to face our temptation alone, that Jesus is the one who conquers sin and death, and therefore he is the one who leads us through temptation. So my thought for this week was to try and reflect on and describe how does he do that? How does Jesus help us by his grace to walk through and to face the temptations that come in our life? I narrowed it down to four. So the first one, Jesus helps us live as something, as being part of something and connected to something that is greater than any individual temptation, any individual emotion, and any individual moment. That we are part of something that is greater than ourselves. And in the language of the church, the way that we hear this all the time in the prayers and in scriptures is, we are part of the body of Christ that you are sons and daughters of the Eternal Father. These spiritual realities of being a Christian is a reminder that we are connected to and part of a reality that's bigger than ourselves. But what does that mean practically? How is that grace given to us in our daily lives? Well, there are some that go about life saying that well, you got to try everything once. No, you don't. Not every human being has to make every mistake every human being has ever made in the history of humanity in order to learn the lessons that you need to learn to grow in maturity. You don't have to make all the mistakes, right? This is the reason why our parents teach us lessons. Even if those lessons have to be adapted for a new generation, the truth that underlies them is still valuable, right? What's every desire of every parent is that their children don't make the same mistakes that they do, that somehow by the way that they raise them and the way that they teach them, 
they can prevent their children from having to go through the same sufferings that they did by the mistakes that they made. This is part of the grace of our Christian life. By being connected to this body of Christ, by being connected to the source of grace in our life, we don't have to become overwhelmed by an individual temptation, an individual emotion, or an individual moment. Because we are connected to that foundation of truth that walks all of us through these individual moments of life. The second one is from the words of the Father to the Apostles today. This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. Right? We say that Jesus is the Word made flesh. After our readings on Sunday, we say, the Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You are giving your assent, your yes, that this is in fact the Word of the Lord. So do we listen to it? in a real way, where it shapes our thoughts, our words, and our actions. Again, practically. Who among us hasn't experienced at some point somebody going, man, you're so much like your mother? Or at some point in our life, you go, man, I'm just like my dad. That's not just genetics. It's not just because you share the same genes. It's because by being with them and listening to them, you've taken on a part of them into you, either in the way that you think, in the way that you speak, even in your mannerisms sometimes, you take on these parts of this other person because you respect them. Can we say the same thing about Jesus in our own life? Have we listened to him in a way that his words shape our thoughts? in our words, in our actions. And when you face a particular circumstance in your life, do the words of the gospel ever come to mind and to your heart in how you understand what you're facing? Do we listen in a way that it integrates into who we are and shapes who we are? This helps us face temptation. The third, God gives gifts of grace in moments of our life to see us through moments that will come. Just like Jesus offers this moment of his transfiguration to the three apostles for the sake of the crucifixion that is going to come, he does the same thing in our life. If you listen closely when we hear the scriptures from the Old Testament, particularly the Psalms, you will hear over and over again the message that comes back time and again, remember, remember, remember. Remember when God freed your ancestors from Egypt. Remember when he led them through the Red Sea. Remember when he looked with favor on David, his servant. Remember these blessings that God did maybe hundreds of years ago, but are still worthwhile now. This is what we do every time we celebrate the Mass. We are remembering the Last Supper that took place 2,000 years ago in a place that most of us have never even seen. But through grace, our remembrance of past gifts becomes a grace for the present moment. It's kind of like a vow. A vow is made once for a lifetime. But in order to fulfill that lifetime of a vow, 
You have to, from time to time, go back to the beginning and the reason why you made that vow to begin with, right? It's one of the reasons why we celebrate anniversaries. Because in the anniversary, you remember where it started, you remember the reason why you entered into this adventure to begin with. And so you remember the grace of a given moment for the sake of everything that you are going to face into the future. So do you remember the moments of grace from your life? Right? You are here because at some point God has touched your life in some way. But the difficulty is that in the face of temptation, sometimes we feel like crying out like Jesus on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because in temptation, what does the devil want to do to us? Isolate us. Make us feel like we're the only person in the world that is experiencing this reality. But through grace, we remember that God has been with us. That even in the face of suffering, he is with us. And the last one, the words of Jesus to his apostles after they experience this, when they throw themselves down in fear, Jesus says, do not be afraid. Because what does Jesus offer to us by his very life? He shows us that the Christian goes through death for the sake of resurrection. That death is never the end but that it is the way to the glory of the resurrection. Not that long ago, in the conversations of the church, there was maybe too much emphasis on the suffering and the death. In recent decades, there's probably been too much emphasis on the glory of the resurrection. For the Christian, it is the tension and the balance between those two things that we find Jesus. It's by being willing to walk through the suffering and to die that real resurrection happens. We cannot cling to the resurrection without the suffering and death. And the suffering and death without the glory of the resurrection is pointless. Jesus brings this home as our reality. And my favorite human experience to reflect on of how this is just ingrained in our nature is childbirth, right? The willingness of a mother to undergo the suffering of the pangs of birth for the sake of bringing new life. And not just that, the willingness of a mother to die to herself, to die to her own desires, to now make the desires and the needs of her child first in her life. In motherhood, this reality of death and resurrection are embodied. And this is intended to be the whole Christian life, that we are marked by this reality. And in this way, Jesus gives us grace to face temptation differently because of that. Right? We don't have to run from death. We don't have to run from suffering. We don't have to seek comfort at all costs so that we can prevent the experience of death when we suffer because we know in faith that through death comes resurrection. And in these four ways, Jesus helps us face the temptations of the devil. When we remember that we are part of something infinitely greater than ourselves, 
we are reminded that we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That when we listen to him in a way that shapes our life, it's a reminder that we worship God alone. That we don't need to worship our fear and allow that to drive us. When we remember the gifts of grace from the past as a grace for the present moment, we don't put God to the test. We remember that he has been present for us and he continues to be so. And then what Jesus brings us that is new is this pattern of death and resurrection that marks the Christian life. That we can have faith in the hardest moments of our life that new life and resurrection will come. Because we do not face our temptations alone. We face them with Jesus. And by his grace, he walks us through. This is the reason why through Lent, we willingly take up a penance, we willingly take up suffering or death to self, taking up our cross through Lent in preparation for the glory of Easter.